Good evening. Uh, my name is Juan Kim. I'm a licentiate in pres the Presbyterian of the South, and it's a great joy to be here this evening. Um, and currently, I um, did an internship in um, Naples, Florida, with Eric Hausler at Christ the King um, Presbyterian Church. And I finished my internship, and currently I'm doing a pulpit supply at Tampa, um, a new church plant. So I'm very grateful to be here with you. And um, let's turn our scriptures to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Hear the word of the Lord. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening for you are truly an awesome God. It is because you have sent your Son to die for unworthy sinners. And we thank you, O Christ, that you have obeyed the Father perfectly and you have given yourself as a ransom for many. And through your death, and not only your death, through your resurrection and ascension, and now your session, and your promise of your return, Lord, we have eternal hope. As you have poured your Spirit upon us, and you call us to faith, and work in us a mighty work that you, which you have begun, when we, are, we know and we are certain you will finish it. So Lord, this evening we ask that your word would be proclaimed for your sake, for Christ's glory, that those who may hear, that their ears will be opened, their eyes will be opened, that they may hear and see the risen Christ, that his name will be exalted in our hearts. We thank you for who you are and what you have done for us. May Christ, his name be glorified this evening. Pray all this for Christ's sake. Amen. Second Timothy is one of the last epistles that Paul has written that we have record of. And he's writing this as a dying man, as a man who is ready to die. My, my grandfather passed away 2015, October, and I was not there when he um, took his last breath, so I missed what he would have to tell us but if a man is to die, or a woman is to die, when a person is to die, they have something important to say, don't you think? Right? So Paul is writing this letter to his beloved Timothy as a man who is now ready. He has finished his good um, fight that he fought, and he's ready to move on to glory, the one that he considered gain at one point for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And he's longing for that, and now he's looking at his son in faith. He's knowing he's going to leave him behind to do the work that God has called Timothy to do now. And he's looking at them saying, and he wants to give him important words. So 2 Timothy is words given by Paul to Timothy of his last words. And this word, this letter is full of a call to endure, a call to persevere. Matter of fact, if you look at chapter 2, verse 1 and 
following, he talks about it, it says in verse 1, You then, my child, be strengthened by grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And there is this great call from him right after it in verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier for Christ Jesus. So Paul here gives three imageries. A soldier, a good faithful soldier who fights, who does not entangle himself with the matters of civilian affairs, but he dedicated himself to please the one who have entrusted him. He gives that imagery. And he said, you be like that. And he uses a second imagery, like an athlete who's running the race to win a crown. Someone who's committed to his art and training himself, distancing himself from, you know, pie, apple pies and cherry pies. No, you can't have them. And then he talks about a, 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 a good, faithful farmer. I saw a lot of farms around this area. You work hard for it, don't you? To get the first fruit. And he gives this imagery. This is how you're supposed to be, like a soldier, good soldier for Christ. Like an athlete running for a crown. Like a farmer who's faithful day in and day out, for he knows that God will bring the harvest once he's faithful before him. And he's telling Timothy, be faithful, endure. And then right after that, in our verse this evening, he says, remember. And I believe this text is placed here to show us how we are to be a soldier for Christ, how we are to be an athlete before our glorious king, how we are to be that faithful farmer. What are we doing? What are we planting? Paul would say, remember. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Now, word remember is kind of interesting. Think of it this way. You know, a lot of times, I'm really terrible with dates. I'm talking about like date, like birthdays, anniversaries. For your husband, what's an important day you have to remember? What is that day that you should never forget because you know you're going to be in trouble? The anniversary, right? And you forget it, you're going to be in big trouble. So you're always trying to remember Anniversary, But this is not saying, remember that day you heard of, of Christ who died in a one singular event, even though it's a historical event that happened. He's not telling Paul, he's not telling Timothy here, he's just remembering once in a while that anniversary. You know, once a year he comes around, or once a week when you come to church, once a time you come in church when, on Easter day. That's not what he's saying. It's more like you remember that you have a wife. You know, you go and your friend says, let's go golfing, and you say, I have a wife. Let me ask her. Let me get permission. Or, I'm sorry, let me talk to her and woo her that I, she may let me. You see, your life changes when you have someone special. You've got to remember that, don't you? Timothy is saying here, you must remember this, church. The problem with church, many churches historically, is because they forgot their history. Isn't it true? The whole issue with liberalism is they forgot the confession, the great faith that's been entrusted to us from the apostles. And Paul here is telling Timothy to remember, remember specifically, remember the G Christ, Jesus Christ risen from the dead. It's always important for us to recognize that Christian faith it's not about Christ who's hung up on the tree. That's Catholic understanding of Christ's work. 
We don't re-sacrifice every Mass. No, we believe in the empty tomb, don't we? That it's about the risen Christ. Yes, there is atonement where Christ, He Himself took upon Himself human flesh, became like one of us. And without sin, He lived a perfect obedience to the Father. And yet, He laid down His life to die on the cross, but He did not remain dead, isn't it? See, Apostle Paul, when he was on his road to Damascus, he was going to persecute the church, but what happened? He has met the risen Christ. That changed his life. That transformed it. He knew that Jesus died on the cross. He knew it. He heard of it, but he never understood. That was not the end. That we have a risen Christ, the one that has overcome death. See, Christian faith is not this weak, let me put it this way. I have a pet peeve. A lot of Christians are like, oh, Christianity is so hard. It's so hard being a Christian. Ah, it's so hard. It's so hard fighting sin. It's so hard being Christian in the world. I'm sorry. Have you not heard? Jesus Christ, he's risen from the dead. Have you heard that? Have you not heard that? Let me tell you one more time because I love saying it. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. So Paul says, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead. Do you believe that? We must believe that. Because he died but rose again. It's the most wonderful news that he has overcome death. He continues on. It's interestingly, he says in going from verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. It's a fascinating thing because he flips this around. If you look at it in Romans chapter 1, verse 3 through 4, he talks about he was born to the seed of David and he was resurrected. He goes in that way. He goes in a more temporal statement of his incarnation, his suffering, his death on the cross. And then his resurrection in power, declared the Son of God in power. But over here, he flips this around. He makes resurrection first. Because it's so significant that it is the resurrection Christ we are to remember. But this resurrected Christ is the seed of David. You know that guy named David? Have you ever heard of him? You know that guy who loves to dance? Doesn't really fly well in a Reformed church, I don't think, but... I think he'll dance. He'll be here just dancing. That's what he did before the Lord. That's the man. But please remember what happened to David when David first was anointed to become a king. You know what happened to him? He suffered for a long period of time. You see, a Samuel came. He's a prophet. A prophet came and he anointed David. You know, I'd be kind of excited if somebody comes to me, I'll make you king. Yeah, awesome. David got anointed and did happy, jolly things happen. That's not what happened. He got kicked out. He's running away. He's hiding in caves. I mean, his life was a big mess once he was anointed by the, by, by, once he received the anointing. And it took many years later where he's now truly become a king after Saul passes away. When the time has come throughout his suffering, he was elevated after he suffered rightly because he did not put the sword to Saul he faithfully obeyed the Lord, patiently waiting upon his promises, and God raised him up as a king. 
And God makes promise with him, a covenant with him, and tells him, I'll make your kingdom eternal kingdom. Davidic covenant. And that covenant is so significant to us. We have to recognize because that covenant really is is covering all of the old covenant. From Mosaic covenant all the way down to Davidic covenant of the promise of God establishing his kingdom. Matter of fact, I believe this word remember is a covenantal term. In Deuteronomy, when God tells Israelites, remember that I have delivered you out of the land of Egypt. And when it speaks through Isaiah, remember the Lord who has delivered us out of the land of Egypt. There is this great remembrance. Remember what? Remember this covenantal God. And Davidic covenant is this promise of the eternal kingdom, the son, who, the son of David, who is his Lord, will come. The Messiah, the one who's truly anointed, not by oil, but by the Holy Spirit. And when he's risen from the dead, is a declaration that son of David has arrived. And the kingdom of God is now come. And Paul says, remember Christ Jesus, the risen from the dead. And Paul continues and says, as preached in my gospel. Matter of fact, Paul is the he's is. I think he's the par excellence of the preachers. He is the Apostle Paul, the one who has went through all of the places in, in Asia and proclaiming the gospel, planting churches, because God is the one who called him. Matter of fact, if you look at chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. How many times is he going to say Christ Jesus in the text? But one of the things he has... He, is called by the will of God according to the promise of life. He's the one who proclaims of this good news, the gospel, the promise of life. The only time Paul says promise of life in this fashion, in his epistles, this way. See, gospel, the good news, is about the resurrected Christ who is promised to give you the eternal Life. And Paul says, remember this Christ. Remember the risen Christ. Remember the risen Christ. The second point I would like to say is how we're to, and, and to whom we're to remember the Christ before. We're to remember Christ, the risen Christ, before the world. Verse 9, he says, For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. See, Paul right now, he's in prison. He's in Rome, most likely in prison because he's proclaiming the gospel, isn't he? Why is Paul in prison? Why is looking at... And, and because he went proclaiming the gospel, because he's remembering before the dying world and telling them that Christ is risen from the dead. Have you read Book of Acts? Where is the sticking point when people turn away from Paul? Whether it be Athens, whether it be before the Jews, where is the sticking point in the book of Acts whenever the gospel is proclaimed? When do people turn away? It's when, G- when Paul begins to say, the, the Son of God came and he died and rose again. You see, we have a message, church. It's not a message of being a good man and you'll go to heaven. It's not a message of having a good family, being a good husband and good wife and good child and do good things. 
change the society, do some good. Though that is kind of present there because we are saved unto good works, certainly there. But Christian message is not about us. It's about the risen, risen Christ. Isn't it? And our call is to stand before this world and declare to it, to declare to them that there is the risen Christ and there is the promise of life in Christ Jesus because he's risen from the dead, the risen one, the one that did not remain dead and buried, but the one that rose again. Our message and our calling is what it means to be a soldier, what it means to be an athlete, what it means to be a farmer, is to plant this seed, is to go out and proclaim and run hard with this message, is to fight the enemies and stand our ground to say, we worship and we remember the risen Christ, the one who rose again from the dead. You're called to stand before the world and do exactly that. I ponder, I, I struggle if we're doing that or not. Are we too happy with our own community, with our own friends, with our own families? Are we busy with our lives? That we forget our mission? That we forget our calling? It is to stand before this world and say to it, Christ is risen. He's risen. I'm going to say risen a thousand times this evening. Jesus is risen from the dead. And your call, church, is to go and claim it, proclaim it, shout it, remember that truth before this world. And you know what's going to happen when that happens? When you do that, when we do that as a church, when you do that as individual faithful servants and the followers and the disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what's going to happen? We will be persecuted. We'll be mocked and hated and despised. Isn't that so? It should be so. Please, please recognize this. Imagine if Paul never went on his mission trips. He stayed in Antioch, chill with his crew. You know what I mean? Oh, let's have a movie night. Woohoo! Giving seminars, you know, how to have a good marriage and, you know, and kind of fight about what kind of worship service and styles we should have and fuss over these petty little things. And if that's what Paul did at, in Antioch, guess what? I don't think he would be persecuted. You know why he's persecuted? Because he went and he remembered the risen Christ before this dying world and people hated him, despised him, dragged him through the streets, stepped on him, spat on him. It's because he was remembering before this world the glories of our king, the risen Christ. And that's what he's going through right now. And I think sometimes maybe American churches are not persecuted because we're not proclaiming this truth. We're fighting over politics and, and all kinds of things. But when it comes to the gospel, I think we, I'm confessing my own sin here too, right? They were weak in this truth. But this is what Paul is telling to Timothy. Remember the risen Christ. Remember the risen Christ before this dying world. And as you suffer, know this, but the word of God is not bound. 
Paul is bound. We will be persecuted. They will try to crush us and kill us and destroy us. But do you not know the word of God is not bound? It's not a fruitless activity. But it's a glorious calling that you are to go. That we are to live our lives remembering the risen Christ before this world. It's an awesome calling, but it's going to be full of suffering. But Paul would say, it's worth it. Paul will say it's worth it. It's worth it because he says in verse 10, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Therefore, talking about the word of God being not bound, he says, I endured everything for the sake of the elect, that they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. My third point is remember the Christ, the risen Christ, for the sake of the elect. See, the reason why we need to go and remember Christ before this dying world, because there is God's people that whom He has chosen before the foundation of the world, out there as much as in here. Have you not heard Jesus saying, I have, a, I have another fold? Have you not heard that? That He has another fold. You see, He's talking about Israel. He's saying there's another fold, the Gentiles, and He's going to bring them in and He's going to make one out of this. And there is, a, there is a certain sense in which where we're complacent with, with just our church family, with the person on your left and right. But don't realize, there are elect, God's elect, not your elect, God's elect. And Paul says, remember the risen Christ for that elect. Both outside the church and for inside the church, for we are called as the disciples of Christ Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations, of all kinds of people, all kinds of skin colors, all kinds of languages, all kinds of heritages, all people out there. But there is God's elect out there. The reason why we suffer, the reason why Paul is in prison and he's looking ahead to his death and writing his will right now is because he knows that there is God's elect. And he's willing to jeopardize his well-being, his life, his good name. Remember, he's, he's bound up like a criminal. They're treating him like a worst kind of criminal here. He doesn't care about his reputation. What he cares about is the elect. And it's interesting when he says this, <clears throat> verse 10, that they may also, they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. It's about salvation. It's about saving souls, isn't it? Church, we're not <clears throat> on a cruise enjoying the view we're on a battleship to win souls let's be real here do you really believe hell is real see i don't come from a christian background my parents are still not christian and um the fact that there is hell and the fact that there are those who are dying and they're gonna go to hell but good lord has made a way How can we not go and share this word? Do you realize there are people dying out there? 
church? My parents are still not Christians. I've been praying over 10 years. My grandfather, right before he passed away, he trusted in the Lord. And the fact of the matter is, it's our call. It's, our, it's your call. Church in Har- Harvest, OPC, it's your call, my brothers and sisters in Christ, to remember Christ before the dying world for the sake of the elect, that they may be saved. It's about salvation. But let me ask you this. How about you? Are you saved? Are you certainly sure? Have you put your trust in the finished work and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you saved? And for those of you, I don't know, but I, to be honest, I came to Christ kicking and screaming. I was asking God, if you God, you're real, you got to make this true for me. I struggled for so many years to become a Christian. And I ask you this, those who are sitting here from the young to old, everyone, it doesn't matter. I have no presumption that you are a believer or not, you're saved or not, but this is an important question, isn't it? Paul would think so. He put his neck on the line for this. Are you secure in Christ Jesus? See, what Paul would say is this. You remember this Christ Jesus. You put your trust in him. You, you recognize his lordship. You recognize that he is a mighty savior who laid down his life. The only thing he would say is, come, all who are weary, come and find your rest in me. It is to put your entire trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not your righteousness not your parents, not your last names, not who your dad is, your grandpa is, great-grandpa is, not what kind of theology you've learned and you can regurgitate, what kind of catechisms you have learned, power to you, and that's, those are great blessings. And yet, what is so important is for the elect to come into the full fold of this salvation in Christ Jesus. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friends, if you don't, you must. And God is calling you this evening to put your trust in Him and Him alone. If you have questions and struggles, come and talk to people. And and there are many brothers here who are willing and lovingly will speak to you and pray over you. And my prayer for you is that you will know the risen Christ so that you may remember Him before this world, for the sake of the elect. And my last and final point is this. If you look at the last section in verse 10, it says this. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they, may, they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. We are to remember Christ Jesus before this dying world for the sake of the elect and for their salvation, with a view of that eternal glory. Eternal glory. It just captures my mind. You know, I'm staying at this house, and we can look out the back, and you can see the Lake of Michigan. I cannot believe that's unsalted. (laughs) It's gorgeous. 
And my first night here, my goodness, I was just sitting there, and we, did, we were doing this Zoom Bible study. And I'm supposed to pay attention to the Bible study, right? The man is teaching. First Kings, and it's exciting, right? But then my eye kept on going to the other direction because there was a sunset, and it was red and just awesome. Glorious, I may even dare to call it. But can I tell you something? There's an eternal glory that is ahead of us. Do you, do you understand this? Please recognize something here. When, when the prophets in the Old Testament, when they suffered, right, that they suffer because they're proclaiming, they're remembering God's covenant before his people. And they're bringing God's covenant accusations against the church, against the people of God, I'm sorry, excuse me, against Israel, and also against the nations and saying, turn to the Lord and turn to the Lord. And they're having this covenantal role to call people to remember their mighty Redeemer. And they're calling the nations to turn away from their sins, the Gentiles, and turn to God, right? That's what prophets were doing in the ancient times. And what happened to them? They were persecuted and hated and mocked and despised, right? And now we come forward as, as people who are called by God and receive all the three offices that you're called to proclaim the gospel as individually in your lives, as a church, that we're to present and remember Christ before this dying world for the sake of the elect and for their salvation. And we're called to do that, Right? But recognize this old prophets, it says in 1 Peter, that they were looking ahead of this glorious day of the coming of the son of David, the first coming. And the church, we are now, as we have seen first Christ's first coming, as remembering his first coming, you know what you're called to do? That God has given us to be the prophets to this world for his second coming as he's promised to you that he will return. He's risen, and he's going to come back. Do you not see this? And we'll enter into this glory, this, 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 this awesome and mighty Savior who has overcome sin, the devil, and death itself, and he will return. Isn't that exciting? Shall we not remember this before this world and declare to it with the face of fullent and say, do you not know Jesus is coming back because he's risen from the dead? The son of David, the king of glory, he will return in full of glory. As he went up, he will come down with the clouds. He'll, bring, he'll come down, but this time he's not going to come to save the world, but rather he's going to come to judge the world and receive his glory that he desires and he deserves rightly so. And you and I are given the prophetic role, just like those prophets who suffer greatly, just like Apostle Paul who suffer greatly, but also just like Jesus Christ who suffered greatly. Have you not heard your loving Savior? What he has done for you? That he came down to his own, but his own did not receive him. They rejected him and despised him. They betrayed him and crucified on the cross. And he took all that in, in obedience to the Father. And right before 
his crucifixion, he says that high priestly prayers. He says, glorify me, O Father, with the glory that I had with before you. And all of this, his suffering, his death on the cross, was pointing to his glory, not only on the cross, but is this eternal glory when he will return and claim his kingdom and his people that we no longer have to remember him, but just rejoice in him, but just enjoy his glory. So church, let us remember Christ. Let us remember risen Christ before this world for the sake of the elect, that Christ may receive the reward of his sufferings, that his name will be glorified. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are and what you have done. We thank you, O Christ, that you have risen from the dead, that you are truly the king who is worthy of our worship. And we thank you that you have given us this awesome calling that we may share in your sufferings, that we may know you in your death and resurrection, that we may Know you more each day of this glorious King. So Lord, call us to be faithful that we may persevere and endure until your return, that indeed when the Son of Man returns, he will find men who are faithful before you, remembering him. We ask that your name will be exalted, that you would empower us to persevere and to trust in you and you alone. May Christ, your name be glorified. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is um, in your Trinity Hymnal 274, Thine be the glory.
people said. Amen. And in that victory, brothers and sisters, we can go out into the week that God has ordained for us, confident that uh, we are victorious in him, confident we have a message to proclaim, uh, the message of a risen Jesus Christ who's coming again. Receive now his blessing, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you and abide with you till Christ come again. Amen.